You are going to be the best mom. I'm an amazing mother. You are the best mom in the whole world. Lady, you are the best mom ever. Welcome to The Mom Show, my talk 1071's new show featuring guests and topics that all good moms will want to hear. The phone lines are open for your questions. Am I doing this right? 651-641-1071 or email the show at mytalk1071.com, keyword mom. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom show here today so excited because this is a great repository of information for all of the my talkers out there we get very busy as my talkers we don't always have time to google what we would like to google and sometimes the google can steer us wrong um so we actually will put you on the right course to some great information here on the mom show because we have a panel of rotating experts that come in and talk to you about some great things for you and your family and today uh, our good friend from sheridan and doulas deanne doulas is back with us family attorney and all things extraordinary. Good morning, Deanne. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. You sound surprised that I gave you that moniker, but that is true. Because yeah, the extraordinary part. Yes, family attorney. Extraordinary. Not so sure. <laughs> well, you've been doing this for quite some time, and yeah. remind everybody, you started at Sheridan Dulas as an intern, basically. I was. I started when I was 16 years old as a law clerk. Wow. And, or a, basically a file clerk. Yes. And I worked on organizing things and just starting from the very ground up. Uh, trying to learn every bit of the business and uh, try to understand what was involved. And included in all that you do, why did you decide that, you know what, family law is the route that I want to take, Deanne? Well, I always have had a real strong interest in people and helping people and being there, uh, you know, to help people in those times of need that are the strongest. And along with that, I had a real strong interest in psychology and trying to understand why people behave the way that they do and what those motivations look like. And family law was really just that natural fit where I could use that understanding of people and why people act in certain ways as a way to really help people through really difficult times uh, to understand what all of their options were. And even in the midst of what can be the fog of just this fear and anxiety, help give them this light to kind of work their way through these really difficult times. And that goes back to my point of what we learn from either the Google or watching all of these shows that we love on TV. Yes. All of the, even if we go a little old school back to the LA laws and then our, our and what we see from now like, us. I know, I know. I love that. I love that show. Um, <laughs> I can go super old with Perry Mason. My grandma made me watch that. Oh, yeah. um, but it does give you a certain idea about a lot of things that are real life scenarios, but of course they're fictionalized. And yes. I think we forget that. Well, and it's really hard to take what is true and separate it from what is popular or fun right. to watch because it doesn't always happen like that. You can't get a trial done in a, you know, a two hour period. Right. <laughs> right. It just doesn't work like that. <laughs> gavel you know, to gavel is not two hours. Right. right. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, and, but it, it, makes it a more interesting show uh, if you can show it that way. And so it's really, really important to understand that even if something is true somewhere else or you see it on television, it may not actually be the information you need to help you through a real life situation. Right. And then you also said um, a very important part is that you're trying to deal with some very difficult uh, waters to navigate at a time in your life when you might not be your best self. Right. I mean, when I'm seeing somebody, I am usually seeing them at one of the worst moments in their life. Right. And the way that psychologists describe this is it's no different than being chased by a bear. Right. OK, you imagine yourself being chased by a bear. We all have heard that fight or flight uh, reaction yeah. that people have. That happens 
in just normal situations. Because what happens is as soon as those stress chemicals get high enough, your sympathetic nervous system disconnects chemically your frontal lobe and says, we we don't have time to think about this. We can only have time to react because we're in a survival mode. Right. And now when someone is chemically impaired by their own body to make those decisions now we're asking them to make some of the most important decisions of their lives and unless you go through that process the right way so that they really understand all their options and they really understand why not just what they're making their choice but why they're making their choice they get done with the situation a couple of weeks later everything calms down again and they look back and say oh my god why did i do that yes what was i thinking and it's and that's really the difference right that's the difference in who you hire to help you because sometimes they're just interested in getting the file done right right just move path, on to the next case path of least resistance you know here's what i i'm going to tell you you should do you should just do it cuz i said so that is not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> Thank goodness. Right. Because right? then I'm making your decision instead of letting you make your decision and empowering you to make the choice that's right for you and not the last person that I helped. So really understanding and getting you know ahead of that motivation or those issues helps you really just to help people in a better way. Well, we encourage people to call into the mom show today. If you have some things that have been weighing on your mind or heart, Deanne is a great person to help you start navigating those waters. The number is 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. Remember, Deanne is a lawyer. She's a very, very accomplished attorney, but this information can apply to you, but we'd also encourage you to go and make sure that you get your specific legal advice that you may need because this is general advice and we can answer some common questions and including today. Yes. Um, and I think this is great because last time we were in Deanne, we did cover some things you should know before you get married. And with all of these young couples and young love and, and even so, a little bit of, we'll call it some, some, some vintage love as well. Yes. But we're talking about the, the Hallie Baldwins and the, the Justin Bieber's of the world are out there getting engaged. Yes. I'm hoping that they have proper legal counsel to help them make wise decisions yes. as they move forward. Uh, but for everybody else out there, Deanne, you have some more things that we're going to cover today on Things you should know before you get married. Um, We only made it through about half the list last time. And what's really interesting about this topic is we spend so much time thinking about the romantic side of it and planning the ceremony that we often get surprised a couple of years into a marriage about the real impact of that ceremony to you. And so that's what we're going to be covering again today. And I also think that it's fun the way that you are bringing this information to the forefront because, you know, some of these things it makes you feel a little unromantic sometimes you just jump to that conclusion instead of going no this is the best for both of us this Mm -hmm. is the best for our future if you're especially if this might be your your second marriage maybe these Mm -hmm. are some things that you didn't know the first time around but you want to keep in mind as you move forward into your the new part of your life oh and it's so important especially for second marriages and you might think oh i've done this before i get it but you you really don't right um this is information that isn't about trying Trying to you know make it unromantic. It's about empowerment. Right. It's about giving everybody the information they need to make good choices. And it's not about trying to you know disillusion it or turn it into a business transaction. Right. It's just making sure everybody goes in with their eyes wide open and they take those sorts of precautions that they might need in order to protect themselves and their family. Right. And it actually should just be part of the fun things. There's lots of things that are difficult getting married. You know, how are we going to pick the right flowers? Oh, Who's yeah. going to get invited to the ceremony? So adding these things 
things into the equation at the beginning isn't a bad thing. No, and add them into the beginning because once you get to the point of fighting over what color the flowers should be, you <laughs> right. want to be talking about some of these things. So do it right away. Be open as soon as you get engaged. All right, there's some things that we need to talk about. Well, what are, what are some of the things? Let's sum up real quick before we go to break. We covered a few things last episode. And mm-hmm. you can all go ahead to uh, mytalk1071.com, keyword mom show. You can find the last episode, a podcast available for those things. But we did cover some things about just the, the, the general impact that you mm-hmm. have when you get married. Yes. And so we're going to be continuing along that idea, talking about some of the financial implications of what happens when you get married, including how that impacts your taxes. But we're also going to talk about kids and especially those premarital kids that might be coming into that relationship. All right. I'm excited to cover this again. We are going over some things you should know before you get married, courtesy of Deanne Doulas from Sheridan and Doulas. If you have a question, the number again for the mom show is 651-641-1071. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to My Talk 1071 and the Mom Show. I'm Miss Shannon, joined by my good friend from Sheridan and Dulas, Deanne Dulas, uh, the consummate attorney in all things family law. We're just going to keep that title. Okay, we'll Deanne. go with okay, it. Okay, I appreciate it. it. We'll roll. If you have any questions for Deanne, you can call us at 651 641 1071. That's 651 641 1071. And we are covering things you should know before you get married. Now, this has turned into a two part show because we did cover this a few weeks ago. Yes. You can find that information at My Talk 1071.com. 71.com just use the keyword mom show and look up the last episode with Deanne and we had covered some things like what counts as marital versus non-marital assets yes so and this seems like it should be really clear and really easy to understand but it's but it's not right so anything that you purchased before you were married or earned during uh before your marriage is is premarital right and anything you get by gift or inheritance during the marriage is non-marital. Okay. But there is often crossovers. We have 401ks before we get married. We have property before we get married. We may even, during the marriage, have things titled in our own name. Yes. That does not control marital and non-marital. Okay. So if you had a house before you're married and then you get married, your spouse has a marital interest in that property, whether their name appears on the title or not. So can I ask uh, from, uh, I'll try and bring it kind of specifically. So my, sure. my younger sister, yeah. she and her then fiance mm-hmm. were living in a house together mm-hmm. that, that technically his name was on the title. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they got married. Congratulations mm-hmm. to them. They got married. So in generalities, in generalities, does she have to do anything specific to have stake in that house now that they're married or does it just happen? Cause they got married and that's one of the things that is a perk. Now that they're married, she has a marital interest. So every okay. dollar that goes into that property that's earned during the marriage is a marital dollar. And Got so it. she has a marital interest. But the bad news is, is mm-hmm. that every dollar she put into that property before they were married, unless they had a cohabitation agreement or some other agreement where she can tie it back to paying rent to him. Right. That interest is gone. So okay. that that's the hard part. So okay. if you're moving in with somebody Uh, in anticipation of marriage or you're living together, that's where you really want to think about getting a cohabitation agreement to try to protect the money that you're putting in before you are legally married. And again, cohabitation agreements, it sounds great. It's something that you brought up on a previous episode of Mm -hmm. The Mom Show. And you can always call Deanne or you can go to their website, ssdpa.com, and you can get that information because we encourage you to do that. It is not, you know, again, 
it you need to change the way that your brain thinks about these things. It is very sexy to get a cohabitation agreement. Let's it, just start saying that. It is. It is super, <laughs> super sexy right, to get one. Exactly. Because it helps to put that trust that we believe we have with our partner in writing. Right. right? I don't want to use a phrase, but that whole trust but verify is kind yes. of where we're at. Because really what happens if it is just trust, if that relationship doesn't last forever. Right. And something happens. The person whose name is not on that title, that person who may have been solely making those mortgage payments has got a much tougher road to hoe. And unfortunately, that is the situation that we're in these days with lots of folks living together. Right. You put a lot of your money. You can be living together for 10 years. You're making the mortgage payment and the relationship breaks up and you may be walking out either with a very large lawsuit that you're going to try to bring. Right. With really bad laws in Minnesota that don't really protect people. Or you're walking away from probably tens of thousands of dollars. And that's that's a lot. I mean, that's definitely retirement money. That's buying your own home money. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to protect yourself. Right. And it's just one less thing you have to worry about, you yes. know, kind of thing where it's like, oh, OK, you can help make wise decisions for you and your partner. Yeah. Because this is one thing that you no longer have to talk about. Right. Because when people fight, it's often about a lack of expectation or common expectation. If you get in a relationship and you say, look, let's paint the house blue mm-hmm. and one of you is thinking Navy and the other one is thinking Aqua, there's going to be a disagreement. So yeah. we're just setting those expectations out there on the table so that everybody knows what they're getting into. It it really actually solves solves more problems than it creates. And another point um, that you often have to cover, uh, mm-hmm. Deanne, is, you know, especially when you're going, I don't want to fight about this, and especially when we're emotional, but it comes into the play when we're talking about families and kids, yes. which is so many people, you know? Yes. yes, unfortunately, you know, maybe you have a good relationship with that that former partner and you're ready to move on to something else mm-hmm. that's supposed to be great and wonderful, but you have to talk about your kids. You have to talk about your kids, mm-hmm. especially if you've got um, kids that are from a prior relationship that are now coming into this relationship because those kids are going to get wrapped up in a lot of issues as well when you begin that secondary relationship. The primary way that we're dealing with is by the the idea of what's called third-party custody. Okay. No one can just come up and say, I want custody of your kids. They have to have a prior relationship with your children. And one of the ways they get a prior relationship with your children is by living with you and that child for a period of at least two years. Okay. So an unrelated person can get standing to ask for custody and or parenting time by living with you. So whether you are married or not, if you're living with a person for longer than two years and you have a premarital child, if your relationship with that person breaks up, that person may have standing to then come in and say, hey, I'm really going to miss this child. Right. I'd like to continue to have some visitation with them. And if you have a biological parent who's also has visitation, now we're talking about scheduling through three people instead of two. And it can get very complicated. Understandable. And if that person, if there are really extreme situations, because parents always have a presumption that they will have custody of their children. If there are really extreme circumstances where this third party is able to get custody away from both the mother and the father, the mother and the father might be paying child Child support support to this third person. Wow. So how do um, grandparents come into play? 
grandparents actually need to live less time with their grandchildren than a, a unrelated third party in okay. order to be able to get standing. They have other ways of doing it. And grandparents also have a separate statute just for them okay. for grandparent visitation, which means they don't have to have lived with the child for two years or for any period of time if the parenting relationship with the grandparent and the child is a benefit to the child and in their best interests, and it will not interfere with the parent. Got even it. if the parent says, I don't want you to spend time with your grandparents anymore for whatever, whatever reasons, reason. mm-hmm. right? Um, the grandparents can petition the court to actually get parenting time with their grandchildren over the objection of their son or daughter. So let's say it's a scenario and unfortunately you and your significant other, mm-hmm. you have a baby, but then you you, you pull a Janet Jackson. And yeah. unfortunately the, the the relationship goes south right after you have that child. Yes. So you're saying that the the potential new boyfriend or girlfriend if they live with me for two years, mm-hmm. then they can then say, you know, I've known this baby since they were six months old. Mm-hmm. I I want to continue to have uh, a, relationship. a relationship with it and we can go to court and handle that. Yeah. OK. Yes. All right. And it doesn't even matter if you were married or not married to that biological parent of the child. That new secondary relationship, once they've built a relationship that is beneficial to the child and they've lived with the child for more than two years, they have standing, even if they lose, okay. they have standing to come into court right, and drag this matter through the court process to ask a judge to make that decision. So if I was getting ready to get married to someone else who has kids, what kind of conversation should we have regarding the kids? Well, when we're talking about kids and mm-hmm. we're talking about premarital agreements or we're talking about cohabitation agreements, the law gets really uh, strict about what we can and cannot put in these agreements because ultimately in Minnesota, it comes back to the best interests of the children. But which is great, right? Which Mm -hmm. is good. We always want to focus there. It's not a possessory uh, possessory right by either mom or dad or anybody. It's about the best interests of the kids, but it's good for you to at least include a statement of intention. Okay. Right. Here is what we're doing. This is the type of relationship we're going to create. We are hopeful that a new person in child's life will have a strong and loving relationship. But it is our intention that that will not create these other rights or these secondary rights uh, in this person because we think having three people with custody would not be in the best interest of the child. Fair enough. Right. Yes. So even if you can't say it out loud or or create a binding term, you should say as much as you can about that subject in there to give the court a real strong understanding of what the intention of everybody was at the time they entered into that agreement. Okay, so hopefully we don't have a lot of that tug of war going on with the kids. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say this, but I feel um, a a lot better about the next part of the conversation that we should have because it already tugs at my heartstrings that we have to talk about kids. But when we start talking about businesses, Mm -hmm. I know that you can get emotionally attached to your business, but that's, you know... uh, it's a little easier to sit there and go, I'm ready to go to war for this and mm-hmm. not have to sit there and do that over your kids. Yes. Right. So what kind of conversations do I start having if we're talking about a business that I might own or my potential mate has? 
Well, first and foremost, we have to understand that with a business that's going to be pre-existing before the marriage and continue during the marriage, right. it's going to have both marital and non-marital characteristics. Okay. So maintaining business records or making sure you have access to business records around that time of that transition so that we can figure out what it was worth when you got married Really important stuff. Yes. Whether you own the business or your your potential spouse owns a business, you've Keep got to be able to value that. it later to see what it was worth. But once that business continues into the marriage and it starts to grow, all of those efforts are either going to be considered non-marital efforts or marital efforts. And the perception okay. is, is that it's all marital. Okay. So even if it's your premarital business and you are the only one of the two of you that ever worked in this business and it's been your blood, sweat and tears in this by virtue of the fact that you are married to this person, they have a marital interest. Even if it's something they said, uh, I never wanted her to stay in that business. I told her she should sell it. We'd never make any money. Suddenly that valuable business is going to become a marital asset that he is going to want a chunk of. Wow. So when you start the process and you're saying I should, uh, I should know the value of things, what documents, like how do I determine that or what do I ask for? Or what do we put in a safety deposit box someplace? You're going to put your tax returns for at least three years. Okay. You're going to take your corporate financial statements and balance sheets and tuck them away. And any other documents that show ongoing contracts that you had that pre-existed that date of marriage. So that if we had a contract that was premarital, that was anticipated to pay out larger chunks of money during the marriage, we'd want to make sure we kept that documentation to be able to show. And by larger, it doesn't have to be a ton of money. We're not talking millions of dollars. If it's your business and it's a gain of $10,000 and it's based on just your efforts alone, that's going to be important to you. So just keep in mind, those marital interests are going to invade unless we protect them. Well, we're going to have to go to break. So while everybody's getting their safety deposit boxes filled up, <laughs> yes. what, do we, uh, what do we want to tell them that we're going to talk about next, Deanne? Well, I think what we need to talk about next is debt uh-huh. uh, and that how that impact of that premarital debt impacts uh, people and why before you get married, you really have to talk to people about how much they owe. And we'll also have time to take your questions. Again, the number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back with Deanne Doulas from Sheridan and Doulas here on the Mom Show. Welcome back to the Mom Show here on My Talk 1071. I'm Miss Shannon in studio. Also with us is Deanne Doulas from Sheridan and Doulas. And you guys do all kinds of work over there at Sheridan yes. and Doulas. You have you handle the family side, but you handle all other kinds of things as well. Yes, we have four attorneys at my mm-hmm. office. Uh, we handle criminal matters. We handle probates and wills. Uh, we handle real estate issues as well as small business issues. We really are a firm that's uh, grown up, always worried about people yes. and the common problems that real people have uh, and that's what we've designed our firm around resolving and i think it's fantastic that you have a variety of specialists at sheridan and doulas because i'm sure that a lot of these things dovetail into one another where i might come to you because i need assistance as i'm i'm getting together we'll go from a happy standpoint yes i'm getting ready to go into a new uh relationship and we want to sit down and figure out the ways to protect myself but i also have a business you know just like our producer sonny does we are our own our own businesses Mm -hmm. you know kind of thing so i need to talk to somebody about that 
that as well. Yes. And so and what we try to do is we really work together as a team to make sure that we are making sure that all of your needs are being met. Uh, A lot of times someone will come in and talk to me about a divorce and they may have a small business that they've been operating. But when I look at the corporate documents, it is clearly insufficient in order to protect them personally from any corporate debts or business debts. And so we I could say, okay, look, let's get your divorce done and stuff. But you can't keep doing it this way. (laughs) Yes. You're going to go over and talk to somebody else in my firm and they're going to help you work your way through this. Real talk. You'd probably think that if you look through my paperwork. (laughs) How do you run things like this? No, 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 no. (laughs) It's really important because there's this idea of uh, called piercing the corporate veil. And people think as soon as I've got an LLC or I've got a C Corp, I'm protected. And even if my business fails, no one can ever come back after me. If you aren't satisfying all of those corporate formalities, they can bring in action to pierce the corporate veil and suddenly they're coming after not the corporate money, they're coming after your money. Producer Sonny, you and I probably need to make an appointment. I'm sitting here listening like, <laughs> man, I thought I was okay. This is juicy. <laughs> but scary too. Yeah. Scary too. And it's it's all of these weird rules that have evolved over, you know, 150 years here in Minnesota that still continue to have relevance in our lives today, really have haven't gone in and cleaned up that stuff we're busy worrying about other things but those are the types of things that really impact people so if you have a business you just want to make sure that you have documentation that gives you dates and yes and when it was you know legitimized and to, so that when you go into the marriage you can say hey 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 this happened before is that kind of like what you mean yes but okay. all of those things that happened after are mm-hmm. also marital. Okay. So you've got to be really clear if you've got a premarital agreement that even those marital efforts that are put towards that individual business mm-hmm. are your non-marital assets. Okay. okay. So you can write a prenuptial agreement that will get you around that problem, mm-hmm. but otherwise your business was yours up until the time that you got married, got but you. he's going to have a marital interest in it. Got you. Oh, we. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, get your stuff together. <laughs> yes. Yes. Love yes. is love, but we also need paperwork. Cash um, is cash. Yeah, yeah, too, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. You've got to take care of yourself. Yes. And so if you have any questions, again, the number is 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. Okay. So let's back up. We did cover some bits and pieces about... Um, um, what happens if you have a business before yes. you get married? What if it's a family business? What is, does that change anything? It depends on how that person received their stock. Okay. So ju- just like we're receiving stock before we're married is premarital. If during the marriage that person is continuing to get stock from their parents who okay. are gifting their share of the business to them, that stock they receive during the marriage, when they receive it, that value because it's by gift or inheritance during the marriage, is non-marital. Okay. But once they own it, if they are actively pursuing increasing the value of that stock, then that stock could have a marital interest in it. And the benefits that come off of it can have a marital interest. So some folks say, well, this is my family business. It's been in my family for 20 years. You know, you don't have any right to it. No, not necessarily true. And I've seen lots of folks come through my door saying, well, it's his family's business. Uh, He makes, you know, $500,000 a year off of it. uh, But I really don't have a stake in it. No, no, no. You do. do. Oh, wow. You do. You can't just believe everything that he tells you and, and, and walk away. Not true. Because these are some questions that you would just not, sometimes you wouldn't even think to ask about them. You would just discard that. Right. You're like, it's the family business. Why? Mm -hmm. I don't have any interest in that. That's his family. Right. 
No, you do. You do. Because when he's at work for 16 hours a day and you're raising the kids and you're living off of that income, your efforts to allow him to work those kind of hours give you a marital interest in that. And every dollar that's earned from that, whether it was marital income you know, or a, from a non-marital source originally, is still marital income. Right. So don't just take what he's telling you. It's usually the he. It's mm-hmm. usually the he, right? Oh, <laughs> yes. Sorry. It's usually the he. Right. Uh, just don't take it for granted that he's telling you the truth. Right. He very much may want that to be true. That does not make it true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Ask somebody. You know, the next thing we want to talk about, it's something that we cover often with uh, one of our, our other mom show experts. Whenever we're talking to uh, our good friend from Moms Talk Money and we're talking mm-hmm. um, to Cassandra Brazier about debt, yes. uh, we do encourage people to get rid of all that high interest debt. And that's yes. one of the uh, her foundational steps. Mm-hmm. Um, but as much as we are working on that, a lot of times when we are going into relationships, mm-hmm. that obviously is a fact that we have to deal with. Who mm-hmm. has what debt? How we're going to navigate that debt, what mm-hmm. happens to it? So yes. how many questions should I ask about debt before I get married? All of them. Okay. All, all right, of them. Ask all the questions. Mm-hmm. And don't just ask the questions. Ask to see the documents. And if you Got really it. want to get to it, if you think they're hiding something from you, if you're a person who's always paid all of your debts and you think you're marrying somebody who hasn't, they are going to be very reluctant to out themselves about that. Fair so enough. Even to the point of asking them to give you one of their credit reports yeah. and see what's really there. And and the impact of debt, I got to tell you, is probably one of the most extreme impacts that happen when you get married. Okay, because how does that, how do, what's that next step with that then? Well, when you're the person who always pays off your debt. Yes. Okay. And now you marry someone who has a lot of debt and you follow the advice that says, pay off all your high interest debts. Right. It may be your inclination to say, I'm going to take some money out of my 401k and I'm going to pay off this debt and then we won't have to worry about it anymore. And we'll move into our rosy future together. And, and we'll live happily ever after. Right. If... Five or 10 years on the road, it is not happily ever after. And you say, well, hey, I paid off all those debts. My 401k would be larger now if I hadn't done that. The court says, well, thank you very much. That was really nice of you to gift that to him. But that money's gone. <laughs> right. That money is gone. Mm-hmm. So if you have a significant other who has a lot of debt and you now start disgorging what would be your premarital property and protected mm-hmm. and you pay off his debts or her debts, you have just said goodbye to that money there. It does not trace to those debts. You do not get credit for it later. It is gone. Okay. It is. Which is great if you want to do that, but you need to go into it with eyes wide open. Eyes that that wide money open. is gone. It is gone. Okay, and fair sometimes enough. people will come back and say, well, you know, he had a hundred thousand dollars in debt and I took all my 401k out and I paid it all off so that we could start our lives together. And it is heartbreaking to yes. have to look at somebody in the eye and say, I'm I'm really sorry. It's a cold world, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you have pennies in heaven now. That's right. what you have. You have an empty 401k, but pennies in heaven. Right. So if so if so, so if they so if someone a partner says I want to help you pay this debt off, that's what you're saying. Yeah. And then and then years later they're like I don't like this. This isn't working for me. And they're what well, they want to go their separate ways. And they say Hey, can I get that money back? Basically, you're saying they can't get that money back. They can't it's, get that money back. They can't get unless you are unless it's before you are married and you have a contract with them, like it's a Mm. full on loan. Mm -hmm. They cannot get it from you. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Otherwise, that repayment of that debt would have to be subject to a prenuptial agreement or a postnuptial agreement Mm -hmm. where you're agreeing to pay that back. Otherwise, it's gone. 
you know, the other one that we see that's really scary is when you've got two people that both have houses. Yes. Right. And they decide they're going to keep one house and sell the other house. Right. Now, the hardest situation, the one that hits you in the gut is when the person who sells their house takes the proceeds from that sale and pays for the wedding. Yes. Right. Yes. Now that other person who kept their house has their non-marital interest. Right. When they get divorced or if they get divorced, they can go back and trace to that non-marital interest. And the person who sold their house says, well, I took all my money and I paid for the wedding. That should count for something. And it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> so if you pay that all happened before you got married. No, even if it even if it was during the marriage, right? Wow. Like, like you pay for the marriage or you take those house proceeds and you pay off other debt or you go on a great honeymoon. That money is gone. Any premarital money that you use to pay off debt because the debt doesn't get me something to, that I can trace to unless I'm putting it down on the house right. or on a vehicle, but don't do it on vehicles because vehicles depreciate. Don't yes. do that. Unless I put it someplace else that I can trace to it, it's just gone. Jeez. It's just gone. That is difficult. See, this is why, I mean, this. I, I love that we're having this conversation because it makes me kind of go, as I am walking into other relationships, going, if you don't want to talk to me about this, mm-hmm. then that throws up an additional red flag. Yes. Like if you were, like, if I ask you, hey, can I see your credit report? And you go, no, you're too embarrassed to show me that, then I don't think I should be sleeping with you. <laughs> that's fair, though. Don't you that's think? Because I feel like I'm that's like, intimate. I need to right, know what's going exactly. on in you. This <laughs> is now a turnoff that you won't show me your credit report right. if you're saying we're going to get married. Married, I'm out. <laughs> right. Right. And that's really where you get into yes. this whole, well, if you love me, you wouldn't need to see it. No, I do love if you. If you and love it's be- me, you will show it to me. Right. Right. Because wow. whether they tell you or not, you are taking them warts and all. Right. And those warts can impact you later. Right. Ah. Even if you stay married for the rest of your lives, yes. those warts are going to impact you. Yes. You got to know ahead of time. So if you won't, if you won't share that with me, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm just trying to figure out is there a wart remover in this scenario? Well, uh, <laughs> I think there is. There's having is. clear open communication, which yeah. is what we're encouraging anyway. Yes. And clear. so just adding this into the equation. Mm-hmm. You know, going we need to be able to have these conversations and if you can't have these conversations in a a, a, a clear, logical uh, environment for you mm-hmm. and the person that you're supposed to be in love with, well, maybe that's a problem. Right. <laughs> if and they get mad at you, then that's not fair. It seems like a real test of the love, too. Like, it seems like that's the first major test, like being mm-hmm. able to look at their background and know, and just knowing them. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, and then the, the permanent wart remover is putting together a prenuptial agreement that says, you. you know what? I am with you till the end. I am going to help you pay off these debts. But if this doesn't work out, Here's what's going to happen. We right. should both be able to walk away from it with both our legs and arms. Like, yes. Seriously. Exactly. <laughs> we'll just work. This will be a great adventure. Yes. Right. Let's just know where we're going. I like right. that. I yes. Like that. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we have another segment that's coming up. What are we going to cover next, Deanne? Well, I think we're going to talk a little bit about taxes and the troubles that you can get into with tax fraud uh, when you start filing joint returns with people. Ooh, I'm very excited. That sounds juicy. <laughs> uh, we'll also take your questions. If you have any, you can call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the mom show welcome back to the mom show here on my talk 1071 i'm miss shannon in studio is deanne doulas from sheridan and doulas i feel like kelly clarkson would approve of today's subject matter here on the mom show don't you think absolutely this sounds exactly like one of kelly's songs exactly and you know here's the thing 
We are by no means trying to sit there and discount and throw cold water on your love. No. We are trying to, you know, make that love last. Yes. <laughs> because yes. you can have some of these great conversations about what you should uh, know before you get married. Absolutely. With and, that potential partner. And the hard part is, is that when you go into a relationship, I don't need to know that. I don't, I trust, I trust. If you're not marrying exactly that right guy, right, and he is somebody who is willing to take advantage of you, right. they're going to prey upon your, you know, good heart and your trustworthiness and the belief that if you would never lie, you couldn't see that in somebody else, right, right. So that's why just getting all the information ahead of time is so important. So all you poly pure hats out there, all the people who you're like, this is the, you think that you are always on the side of right. If you play a video game, you always are the paladin. If you mm-hmm. are that person. Yes. We get that. Mm-hmm. And so and this is just due diligence for all of those people out there. So, and, and asking these questions does not make you a bad person. No. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't trust them. We are just making sure everybody comes into it with the same information. And sometimes you just are one of those nice people and nice people. How are, you know, I, I have guy friends and girlfriends yes. that say, you know, I always date crazy people. Well, this is some information that you can use to weed out crazy. Yes. <laughs> if crazy doesn't want to answer your questions, regardless of who they are, then you can now go, well, you didn't pass the crazy litmus test. <laughs> I need to move on. <laughs> and that could be a whole nother three, four episode series yes. that we could talk about. But really, it's just about making sure you've got your eyes wide open. If right. you still love them and want to marry them, great. But let's just know about it before we get in there. Right. Okay, we're going to go to the phone and then we're going to go back to some more information on uh, what you should know before you get married. Peggy, thank you for calling. Hi. Um, what if he owns the home before you get married? Yes. And then you marry him, you sell your home, and you marry him, and then you put a lot of improvements into the new home? Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is, if, and the name, your name's not on the house. Yes. What happens if you get divorced or break up, break up but you've been married like 10, 11, 12 years? All right. Well, this is really important, and I'm glad you asked this question. There's a case in Minnesota called Dorweiler, and what it says is that even if your name is not on the house, if you can prove the the dollars that you contributed into the house, you're going to get those back off the top. So gathering up all the receipts, all the documents for the improvements, the bank statements showing where they were paid out of, all of that information helps you to really uh, document to get those funds back. Okay. And would you suggest there's that she get her name on the house? If I mean, is that hard to do? No, getting the name on the house is not hard to do. Uh, refinancing and doing loan stuff is, is harder to do. Um, but you don't necessarily need to have your name on the house in order to protect your marital interest. Because okay. the moment they married, she got a marital interest in that property. But if she wants to protect that non-marital interest that she put into the home, that's when she needs all of her documentation. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Peggy. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many things that you need to navigate on yes. these things. So I'm really glad that you're bringing up all these subject matters. So we talked about marital assets like your your house and things like that. And so I know we also need to quickly touch on spousal support, which I think we did a whole show on. And yes. you can listen, listen back to that if you go to uh, mytalk1071.com, keyword mm-hmm. mom show, you can find that one. But quickly, let's cover a couple of those things that people should know. Let's just talk about spousal maintenance for just a second. Mm-hmm. Everybody remember that the minute that you marry... 
there it is a genderless statute that says that if one party is in need of financial assistance from the other because they are unable to meet their own reasonable needs, the court can order you to pay the other person a chunk of money every month. All right. For a certain period of time or permanently. Okay. So when you're under 10 years, we're almost always talking a temporary award of maintenance. Now, okay. this is not income equalization. It isn't if you make 100000 and he makes 50000 that it's suddenly going to cross over and so you each have seventy five. Got it. But it, it does mean that when you get married, you may potentially be in a situation where you have to help support your spouse. And it, it is absolutely genderless. It could be the woman helping to support the male. If you get married and five years in, uh, you know, he gets hurt. Yes. And has a debilitating accident and is no longer capable of working. That may be enough by itself right. to create some level of spousal support uh, requirements. Okay. So be really mindful of the fact that if you get married... Either of you may end up having a support, an obligation to support the other. Okay. And just don't be afraid of permanent maintenance. Permanent maintenance in Minnesota means modifiable. So it doesn't necessarily mean the rest of your life. Ah, so it means it'll change as time goes on. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Well, we do have a bit of time before we wrap up today to talk about taxes and how that works once mm-hmm. you guys get married. So when people get married, almost without question, they, that next tax return they file as a joint return. Yes. Now, here's where you get into trouble. One, that joint return may actually increase your tax obligation because we're adding our ta- our incomes together. Right. And it's going to pop you into a higher tax bracket. Yes. So that first year, if you don't have kids, it may end up giving you trouble because you went from paying 20% to now you're paying 24%. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's a simple one. Mm-hmm. The harder ones come when we start looking at that payment of tax. Okay. So you do your W-2, you pay all your taxes, you withhold the right amount, and suddenly you look at your taxes at the end of the year and you realize, why do we owe so much money? Yes. Well, if your spouse isn't withholding enough money on their income, they're under withholding because they'd rather have the cash up front. Yes. You may end up with a huge tax obligation at the end of the year if they haven't been withholding enough. Okay. So you got to make sure that they're withholding the right amount so that you're not paying basically all of their taxes. taxes, Right. Mm -hmm. So you may increase your withholding to account. But now. You're paying all of their taxes. So what if you get married and they were a person that didn't really do their taxes before you got married? That's when you get into the worst possible. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. So whether um, if they didn't, well, if they didn't do their taxes and now you do your taxes, that's going to flag something with the IRS and they're going to say, wait a second. Where this person been the last three years? Right. Where where are the rest of the tax returns? (laughs) And if that person owed money. Yes. And they're now going to have penalties and interest that are going to tack on to those past years based on their non-payment, if you sign a joint return with them, that money is going to come out of whatever refund you have. And if you owe money in that joint return year, the IRS can come after you for their back taxes. So add that to the list of things. Did you pay your taxes in the past? Like yes. they're like, are you caught up on your are taxes? Are you caught up in your taxes? Okay. Because when you get it, let's say you get a refund back from the taxes and it's a joint refund. You are both equally entitled to that refund. So okay. they will technically be tagging his refund because it's his obligation to pay those back taxes. But 
It's taking money away from you. Got it. Okay. So you're making up the difference. This is so much fun, Deanne. This is so- <laughs> I don't know about fun. I, don't know I just if I would hope to use no- the word fun. I would. I'm enjoying it. This I just is hoping ask- nobody's like super scared no, right now. This is explaining no. a lot of things in my life. Yeah, it I, is. Yes. It's it's very helpful, and it's and it's a mature way to go into marriage. It really mm-hmm. is. It, it and it's better for. And I know women have in the history haven't had the best uh, uh, luck with going into marriage. And this is really a mature and um, I feel like level headed way of looking at such a big institution. Right. So it's scary at first, like anything that you mm-hmm. don't know. But it's it sounds like it's set up to help me yes yes. (laughs) definitely and the only other thing that you really really need to worry about is this idea of fraud okay okay so if you're marrying someone who maybe has some sketchy business practices or even if during the marriage you're noticing somebody is having some sketchy business practices and they're telling you oh don't worry i know how to get around the tax (laughs) yes Um, and you're signing joint returns with that person if the IRS determines that there is fraud in those tax returns and you've signed them too, right? You are also responsible for that fraud. There is a tiny little statute that allows you to do what's called an innocent spouse statute okay. uh, and a request, but it is not an easy uh, designation to get to say, "Oh, I just didn't know anything." Right? They're saying you should have been involved in this process. Have, okay, you should have known. There, it does apply to a few people, but if if you think that your husband is doing something uh, sketchy on the taxes, uh, you are equally culpable. And the IRS will find that you've both committed fraud. Well, we encourage everybody who's out there, if you're getting ready to get married, we encourage you to, one, do that, be happy, but mm-hmm. also go into Eyes Wide Open. And a yes. great way to do that is to get some help. Yes. If they want help from Sheridan and Doulas, what's the best way for them to contact you? Well, yeah. they can call us at our phone number, which is 651-686-8800, or they can reach us online at www. SSDPA.com. And you can always find us at mytalk1071.com and use the word, use the keyword mom show. And Deanne, we appreciate it. Don't worry. You didn't douse any love fires. It was great. good. (laughs) Good. Well, it's always fun to come and talk with you guys. Thanks. And we'll see you next time.